So one day, Jesus and Moses were out golfing together. Jesus says, watch this drive. It's going to be just like Tiger Woods. So he hits the ball. It lands right in the lake. Moses says, don't worry, I'll go get it. So he goes down to the lake and he parts the water and he retrieves the ball for Jesus. Okay, Jesus says, this time it will be just like Tiger Woods. So he hits the ball again and sure enough, smack dab in the middle of the lake once again. So Moses goes down, parts the water, grabs the ball, brings it back to Jesus. Third time is a charm. Jesus says, watch, just like Tiger Woods. And for the third time, Jesus hits the ball. And for the third time, the ball lands right in the middle of the lake. This time, Moses is like, forget it. You, you go get your own ball, Jesus. So Jesus heads down to the lake, and of course, he's walking around on top of the water looking for his ball, and soon a crowd has formed. And one guy in the crowd says, who does that guy think he is, Jesus Christ? To which Moses replies, no, he thinks he's Tiger Woods. <laughs> so today is a really big day in the life of the church, especially for those kids who just received their Bibles. I overheard one of these students last Sunday tell her parents she just had to be in worship today because she was finally getting her Bible and the excitement that she expressed was obvious. Curious, but do we all feel the same way about our Bibles and being excited about having them in our hands, having the very word of God at our disposal? In some ways, receiving your first Bible is kind of like a rite of passage, a moment to be celebrated and acknowledged, like receiving your driver's license. Do you remember, by chance, the very first time that you got to take the car out on your own? What, what you did, where you went, can you recall that feeling that you had? And now, by chance, do you take it for granted that you can walk out of your house and climb right into your car and go wherever you please? I know I certainly do. Similarly, I know I have taken for granted the privilege and the excitement of having the very words of God right in my hand and that I have access to them anywhere, especially now with the advent of the smartphone and having the entire Bible in every translation right in my pocket. So as we celebrate today with our kids who have received their brand new Bibles with excitement, Perhaps this might be a really good day for all of us to also celebrate having access to God's word and to reflect on the excitement that we too perhaps felt when receiving our Bibles for the first time. And if, by chance, you have never had that experience of receiving your own Bible, please let us know because everyone deserves to have that moment and this community would love to be able to do that for you. So we all know the Bible's big and dense and full of all sorts of information and stories. But I bet one of the most well-known teachings of the Bible would be that of the Ten Commandments. And this could be for a variety of reasons. Perhaps we can thank the epic Hollywood film, The Ten Commandments, for this. Or maybe the fact that they are a regular fixture in our halls of government and courthouses. 
which of course has been getting a lot of attention in recent years as arguments has been, have been made as to whether such a thing should be posted in public at municipal buildings where there should be a separation of church and state. Yet, I have to ask the question, if it wasn't for the Ten Commandments and the dissemination of scripture, from where else would we have received the underlying basis for our understanding of ethics and morality? Oftentimes there are voices that are quick to want to shove God out of the picture, and yet without God in the picture, what would be the state of our humanity? Just looking back on all that happened with Moses and the Israelites gives us a good picture of what can happen to a people who have no direction and who stray from God. If you are unfamiliar with the story, it all started back in the land of Egypt where the Israelites were being held as slaves in Pharaoh's kingdom. God called a guy by the name of Moses to lead his people out of Egypt, and after a series of pretty nasty and uncomfortable plagues, Pharaoh finally lets the Israelites go. Once they are free of the Egyptians, the Israelites are then forced to wander around in the wilderness for a while, and it is here where things start to get a little out of hand. While making camp at the base of a mountain called Mount Sinai, God called Moses up to the top of the mountain to speak with him alone. The Israelites knew where Moses was and what he was doing, as the scriptures tell us, because the mountain was covered in a dense cloud and the people could hear the voice of God. It was at this time that God shared with Moses his Ten Commandments. And not only those Ten Commandments, but also 603 other commandments and laws and directives. These laws covered everything from how to treat your servants to protection of property, social responsibility, laws of justice and mercy, offerings for God, and all of the directives on how to construct the tabernacle, the first man-made place of worship. There was a lot of information God gave to Moses in this meeting, and while all of this was happening, the natives were getting restless, literally. We don't know how long Moses was on the mountain talking to God, but we do know it was long enough for the rest of the Israelites to go rogue. Moses' very own brother Aaron took up a collection of everyone's gold, rings, necklaces, earrings, and melted it all down to produce a golden calf to which the people started worshiping. You can only imagine the sight that Moses saw as he came down off that mountain and back into the camp of the Israelites, God's chosen people. He got so angry, in fact, that he took the original stone tablets upon which God had inscribed his commandments and he threw them to the ground, shattering them. Thus, Moses became the first person to break all of the commandments at once. Pretty quickly, however, the Israelites caught on, learned the error of their ways, and eventually the original stone tablets were reinscribed and replaced by God and kept for safekeeping in the Ark of the Covenant, which I believe Indiana Jones is still looking for to this day. Now, oftentimes, people who hold a faith in God, and especially us Christians, are criticized for holding on to ancient precepts like we find in the scriptures. 
and we are questioned for their relevancy, especially thousands of years after they were proclaimed and written. Yet, there is nothing else in all of recorded human history that has had the same sway on the heart of humanity like the teachings of our God that we find in the scriptures. Of course, there is relevancy, and of course, there is necessity to these laws and abiding by them for the sake of our souls and for the peace of our culture. Over the years, the Ten Commandments have been essentially divided up into two parts, commands that teach us how to be in relationship with God and commands that teach us how to be in relationship with each other. First and foremost, God says, you shall have no other gods before me. In other words, nothing else shall have the same sway or authority over our lives like God does. He is our creator and sustainer, and we will find nothing else in the totality of our lives that will prove otherwise. And to acknowledge him as such will simply enable us to live at peace knowing that he is the one in control. You shall have no other gods before me. Next, God says we shall have no idols or have graven images. After all, inanimate objects have nothing to give. It's the intangibles of life that make life worth living, the feeling of love filling your heart, the feel of laughter, a hug, all gifts from God and all gifts that delight and remind us of his goodness. No thing can give you that. No thing is worthy of your worship. No thing can bring you redemption, salvation, or grace. You shall have no graven images or idols. We have also been commanded to not misuse the name of the Lord or a more classical terminology, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. The Hebrew people, in fact, so revered the name of God that they wouldn't even say it to begin with. His name is holy, and it is to be respected, and swearing by his name or using it in any other manner outside of the respect it deserves grieves God's heart. We don't misuse or mistreat the names of people that we love, so why would we do that with God? Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Next on the list is to keep the Sabbath day holy. In our culture today, that is indeed a challenge. Where we once had blue laws, where stores and restaurants by law remained closed on Sundays, we now find a society overscheduled in every direction, every day of the week, including Sundays. And no longer is there time for sacred space in our calendars, not only to be in worship and to pause for a moment and to give thanks to God for all he has done, but to also be with family and to rest. When you think about it, how cool is it that we have a God who has commanded us to rest? He has commanded us to stop and to breathe and to slow down. He has simply asked us to make time for him at some point during the week. It doesn't have to be on Sunday because he just wants to spend time with us. 
And to give God our time and attention, is that too much for him to ask when we consider all that he has given us? Keep the Sabbath day holy. The next six commandments all address how we are supposed to deal with and to be in relationship with one another. Some of these are pretty straightforward and pretty simple, but others, not so much. First, we are commanded to respect our father and our mother. Now, for those who have good, strong, healthy relationships with our parents, that is really no big deal. But what about for those who have been abused or neglected physically or emotionally by their parents? How does that work? In an ideal world, we would love to think that all parents are good and have parented as perfectly as humanly possible, but we all know that just isn't the case. And our hearts break for those who find themselves in these situations and for those who have good reason to struggle with this command, please know God sees you and he understands. And he asks you to look to him as being your example of a perfect parent who is full of unconditional love and know that he loves you in ways beyond your comprehension. The image of a perfect parent worthy of your honor. Honor your father and mother. Next, you shall not kill. Seems pretty simple enough, especially when our minds are automatically drawn to the act of physical murder. But some may argue that our natural course of simply living life in the manner in which we have grown accustomed, though we are not directly harming a body, is an act of murder. Global warming, the use of plastics, fossil fuel emissions, purchases we make of goods manufactured in places where the workforce is misused and abused, in some ways can be considered acts of murder, though indirectly. God has placed us on this earth to have dominion over the land, yet at the same time, he has asked us to be stewards of his creation, everything from people to animals to the earth, seas, and skies. And how we act out our stewardship of all God has given us should be a personal choice, yet also an outgrowth of our understanding of what it is God has commanded us while we are here on this earth and inhabiting his precious creation. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery, God says. Again, it seems pretty simple enough. Though in essence, this sin is an act committed between two people. More often than not, such an act affects many more people and has the ability to destroy families and sometimes even communities. Infidelity dishonors individuals. It robs people of respect and trust. It breaks covenants and vows. And in today's highly sexualized world, true intimacy has lost much of its significance and sacredness. You shall not commit adultery. The last three, you shall not steal, you shall not lie, you shall not desire what is not yours. Again, highlight simple actions that can make or break trust in relationships, peace and order in a community and peace of mind within one's own heart 
and soul. These actions on many levels can easily be disguised or hidden from our loved ones and fellow human beings, yet they cannot be disguised or hidden from God. And though God never expects us to be perfect, it must be recognized that our missteps can keep us from a more intimate relationship with our Creator. You shall not steal, lie, or covet. Honestly, is there anything better than following the Lord your God and doing what he asks? After all, what would be the alternative? God is truly the source of all goodness and ethics and morality. And to live apart from that would be chaos and pain and frustration. These Ten Commandments, as ancient as they are and outdated as some may choose to believe, are simply codes of conduct that defines morality, honors family, protects life, secures property, encourages rest, defines boundaries, and enhances trust. And if there are some days where following all of these commands seems like a lot, and I truly believe there are days like that, then simply follow Jesus' words as he pared down all ten commands into two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Start here. For these two are challenge enough and see how the rest fall into place. And just for fun, remember that Moses was the first person to download text onto a tablet from a cloud. Amen.